your Bibles to Luke uh, 22, verse 24. Luke 22, 24. Um, man, I hope, I hope this is a good sermon because I obviously did not work on it this morning. Luke 22, 24. A dispute arose among the disciples as to which man was to be regarded as the greatest, and he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as the one who serves. For who is greater, one who reclines at the table, or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? And then Jesus looked at them and said, But I am among you as the one who serves. This is God's word. So for uh, five weeks we looked at the message the apostles received over those 40 days of, of and the course of Jesus' ministry before his ascension. And we saw that it was a, a message of the restoration of all things at the day of the Lord, the hope of the Messiah and, and Jewish election, the cross as a sacrifice for sins, the resurrection of the dead, and then two weeks ago the Spirit-empowered and Spirit-confirming uh, presence and power of that message and of that witness that as we go out and proclaim this message, God backs it up with His Spirit. But um, we got a bonus episode this week that I, I think uh, is, is helpful. Jesus did not only entrust these early disciples with a message, okay? He didn't just say, hey, here are some things to believe, here are some things to say, here are some things to proclaim. Jesus also entrusted these men with a lifestyle, Okay? A way to live and a way to be and, and, and a way to, hey, this is how you relate to human beings. This is how you treat other human beings before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. There's a lifestyle that comes with this proclamation of the cross before the day of the Lord. You also carry a cross before the day of the Lord. And this is what they did. So the, the apostolic witness and... and, and a witness that's faithful to what has been entrusted to it is both a message and a lifestyle. Okay, It is words to proclaim and it is a way of living that backs up what has been said. Does that make sense? They go out and they proclaim the gospel and then they live a certain way in light of it that causes people to believe the gospel. Does that make sense? Otherwise, it's just words, it's just talk, it's just music, it's just whatever, unless it's backed up with the way that we live. And so today, uh, as we in our, our church honor our deacons and all around the world honor mothers, I just want to exhort us to conform ourselves <clears throat> to that lifestyle of self-sacrifice and that lifestyle of servanthood by examining the, the pattern of Jesus the pattern of those early apostles and disciples after Jesus, and the pattern that's to be imitated by all disciples of Jesus, all disciples of those apostles after, okay, until he comes, and even after, and then finish just encouraging us to serve, okay, get it, and I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but there is great reward promised to those who will carry a towel and will carry a cross in the name of Jesus. Jesus. So we'll start with Jesus. Jesus does not just say live this way. He does it. 
where he, he shows at John 13, and parallel to what we read to begin, Jesus rose from the supper, and he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Okay? Keep in mind who this is. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Because it's weird. Okay, it's, it's, what is happening? What is going on here? And Jesus answered, what I am doing now, you do not understand, but afterward, you will. So they gather in the upper room, and, and again, we're, we're right up to the point of the cross here. They gather in the upper room, and they start to discuss who will be greatest in the kingdom of God, okay? Who's going to sit at his right and his left? Who's going to sit next to Jesus on, who's on David's throne in David's city and governing the whole earth in righteousness, right? Because that's their assumed eschatology. This is how human history works out. And so to answer their question, who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to sit at my right and at my left? Jesus just shows them, right? He doesn't immediately answer the question. He, he, you know, he does the drama team bit. He acts the thing out. He says, you guys want to know who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to sit at my right and my left? Who will be exalted in the coming age? Who's going to be told, you know, be set over ten cities? Jesus says, it's the guy who does this. And then the God who made the heavens and the earth, who spoke and upholds galaxies, and whose, whose word is keeping your heart and lungs and brain and everything working right now. This same God sheds his outer garment and he washes Okay? So lots of other gods have lots of different attributes and things that they do and ways that they are and whatever, whatever, whatever. Only this God washes feet. Okay? You won't find this in any other belief system. You won't find this in any other philosophy or whatever. Like, Jesus is totally unique. And then he goes low to serve Luke 22. He said to them, right, don't, don't you guys get it? Don't you see the kings of the Gentiles... They exercise lordship, okay? Those, and so this is how the world works, right? God is seated at the height of the heavens, sovereign over all. And God, in his sovereignty, has entrusted leadership to different groups of people. Kings, nations, households, whatever. This is how God has set it up. And the kings of the Gentiles, they function selfishly. And they use their position as kings and lords and whatever to serve themselves rather than to, to serve, okay? And those in authority over them are called benefactors. Like benefactor, do, do-gooders on behalf of others. That's what leaders are meant to be. But Jesus is mocking them, right? Saying they're not. They're called benefactors. They're called do-gooders for the sake of others. But they're just serving themselves. And then Jesus says this, but not so with you. Twelve, actually, I don't know if Judas has left yet in the chronology here. At least eleven guys looks at them and says, not not so with you. This is, how, this is how the kings of the earth function. This is how they work. Me over you. And we don't get that confused. You exist to serve me. And Jesus says, not, not so with you guys. You twelve who will sit on twelve thrones governing the whole earth. Like no one will know who Putin is. No one will know who Biden is or Trump is or whatever person. No one will know them in the age to come. You know who we're going to know? These guys. Right? Redemption has a zip code. We're going to see these guys ruling the earth. And again, we pointed out a couple weeks ago, many of them at this point are teenagers. And Jesus is saying, if you will go low, you will carry a towel, you will carry a cross in the age to come, you will be exalted. You will be lifted up. 
Totally opposite of how the world works, okay? If you've ever had a job, you know this is not how things work. <laughs> not so in you. These 12 men He's called to himself to sit on twelve thrones, ruling with him in the age to come. And he says, rather, let the greatest among you, let the one who wants to sit at my right and my left in the kingdom then, let the greatest among you become as the youngest now. And the leader then is the one who serves now. For who is greater? One who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Okay. Well, in this age, who's greater? Who's seen as greater? It's the one who sits in the chair, right? It's the one who reclines at the table. See, that's, that's the established ruler and leader and king and, and, and whatever. But what's the model of Jesus? Okay? What, what does he do? What sort of life is lived that God in the heavens looks down upon and counts as great? Right? What, what kind of life gets God's stamp of approval? And this is a worthy life. This is a holy life set apart to me. And this is a life that's humbled now that will be exalted then. Jesus says it right here. But I am among you as the one who serves. This is who God accounts as great. So what's the fruit? And what's the reward of following the pattern of Jesus in this age. Now, what's the reward of it? Verse 28, you are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, right, and we'll see Philippians 2 later, the reason God assigns the kingdom to Jesus, because Jesus' life is worthy of it, okay? As I assign you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom, and because you will imitate me now, going low and carrying a cross and wearing a towel, now you will reign with me then, in that kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom and sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Like Jesus cannot be any more clear to these guys. You want to sit at my right and my left, it's going to be a cross, it's going to be a towel. And it'll be worth it. <laughs> worth it. Eighty years of service for billion years of reward? Are you kidding? Don't be an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, like this is what he's saying. This is the pattern. The one who is greatest goes low and offers up his life for the sake of others, embodied here in a towel and a basin. Like, God calls that great. God calls custodians and janitors great. Because this is what he did. Like, this is what he is. So here, it's a towel and a basin. It's great. And later, just a few hours later, it's cross. God calls that great. So Jesus says in this scene, Peter, I'm washing your feet now and you don't understand well, give it a few hours. <laughs> give it about three days, and you will understand. I am among you always and forever as the one who serves. I don't know if this is in my notes, but have you thought about this? In the age to come, Jesus is still serving. Isaiah 49, the, the nation of Israel is called the servant of kings. So the other nations in the earth, Israel serving them. In the age to come, like Israel is still washing feet. Still going low to, to serve and exalt and lift people up like the character of Jesus does not change, right? I mean, yesterday, today, saying forever, like, this is who... You go home and sit with that for a little bit, okay? Go home and sit with that for a little bit. John 10, 11, we have a towel and we have a cross. I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. I go low for them. And so this is what God calls great. This is what God highly exalted self-sacrifice and its service for the sake of other people. For, for other human beings, this is how we relate. So, Paul, apostle after Jesus, writes, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, 
but in humility, regard others as better than yourselves, all right? Shorthand, wash feet, carry a cross. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, okay? Wash feet, carry a cross. This is what your Lord did. This is how you are to live. Verse 5, let the same mind be in you. Being you, now you, collective, y'all here, is writing to the church of Philippi. Let the same mind be in y'all. Okay, Christian Life Church, Tonkawa, and visitors today, I'm going to throw you in with us, alright? Let the same mind be in y'all. That was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God. Okay? Equality with God meaning his like governmental status as the ruler of all things. He didn't regard that as something to be exploited. Okay? He doesn't use who he was to gain from others or to exploit others, because he totally could have, right? Like if there's anyone who can walk into a room and flex and, and bend the will of the room to, to serve himself and whatever, it's Jesus, right? Answers yes. Okay. <laughs> he, he, he totally could have exploited what he's doing here. And wicked governments do this, wicked bosses do this, wicked household leaders, whatever. They all have the ability to exploit, okay? That's why they're not good leaders, because only God has perfect ability and perfect goodness to work all these things out. They have the ability to exploit, they have the ability to make, you know, whatever kingdom they're over function to serve them. They can do that, and they do that. This is, this is human history, right? Paul says Jesus' pattern of service and cross-bearing didn't do that, didn't use his status as sovereign ruler over the heavens and the earth to exploit, but rather, verse 7, he emptied himself. Okay, now just empty here doesn't mean of his godness. Okay, that's a heresy called kenosis. You don't care, but it's still God here. He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Why? For the well-being of everyone else. Do you understand that? If Jesus doesn't come as a servant, if Jesus doesn't come as a slave, if Jesus doesn't come and go low and lay down his life for the sheep and be among us as the one who serves the well-being of everyone, there is no well-being. This is who Jesus is. This is what he is doing. And, and verse 7, being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So you've got the life of Jesus as a servant culminating in a cross for the sake of other's people. And so what is God's response? God in the heavens sends his son to wash dirty feet and to become obedient to the point of death on a cross. What is, how does God look at that? How does God view this kind of life? Verse 9, therefore, because of this, because of this towel feet washing and because of this humble obedience on the cross, therefore, God also highly exalted him, lifted him up, gave him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. My Bible group, this is an Isaiah today, all right? Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, right? Obedience to the point of death on a cross, therefore, boom, lifted up, exalted, high above, and because of his perfect, worthy, self-sacrificial, servant life, everyone who thinks they're high, everyone who thinks they're lifted up, everyone who thinks that the world exists to serve them, on that day will be humbled and brought low and serve Him. Like they, the day of the Lord is just a reversal of, of all the, the stuff. Okay? 
The sort of life Jesus lives, a life of service, and a life of cross-bearing for the sake of others, is the sort of life God approves of. Okay? It, it's the sort of, of, of life, it's the pattern of life that leads to resurrection and exaltation in the age to come. And Jesus is the only one who's ever embodied this perfectly. That's why God raised him up. You know what I mean? Like, take our, the best deacons in Christian life church history, okay? Let's move what you're sitting here today. God doesn't raise them from the dead immediately. Wonderful as they are. Godly as they are. Self-sacrificial as they are. Jesus was raised immediately. As the first fruit of what's to come is the, is the pattern and image. They, we will be raised from the dead, but at this point, God has only counted one life that's worthy to attain to the resurrection of the dead. So the apostolic witness is not only the message of Jesus, right? We're not just proclaiming Jesus. The apostolic witness is also to the lifestyle of Jesus, okay? To the service of, of Jesus for others in a towel and in a cross. We've seen Jesus now. Let's look at how the apostles walk this out. John 13, Jesus has a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you. How is Jesus' love? The towel and the cross. That you also love one another. By this, okay, so by what? By love expressed in a towel and love expressed in a cross. Love expressed not just in word but also in deed, cross bearing and foot washing. By this, all men will know. That you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this is what they pick up. This is the teaching of Jesus. And this is what they pick up right after Jesus ascends. Acts 1. Peter stands up among the brothers and says, Judas was numbered among us. And he was allotted to share in this ministry. Okay? It's Greek word diakona. Servants. Judas was appointed to share with us in this service of foot washing. In this service of cross-bearing. And so one of these men must become with us a witness, a martyr to his resurrection, okay? So Jesus, or Judas didn't work out, right, if you, if you read the story. And because God has ordained that 12 men sit on 12 thrones for the 12 tribes of Israel, Peter said, all right, we've got to fill this seat with another witness before the day of the Lord, because it's 12. <laughs> so they have to get another one. And they prayed and said, Lord, you who know the hearts of all, Right? They're, trying to, they're trying to find their twelfth here. Lord, you know the hearts of all, and, and what kind of heart is necessary and needed to be a witness to the resurrection and the day of the Lord. It's a heart of service, a heart of foot washing, a heart of cross-bearing, a heart like Jesus. Lord, you know the hearts of all, so show us which of these two you have chosen to take place in this ministry, to take place in this service, to take place in this proclamation, and take place in this Lifestyle, okay? That's how they choose. Then after these guys, Paul is also given this ministry of service and apostleship. So listen to how Paul describes his ministry, okay? Because you won't find this on, you know, fill-in-the-blank leader's website, I promise. Listen to how Paul describes his ministry. I do all of this, proclaiming, serving, cross-bearing, for the sake of the gospel, right? For the sake of that fivefoldness, the day of the Lord, the resurrection of the dead, blah, blah, blah. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings, that I may share in being exalted in the age to come. Do you not know that all runners in the race run, but only one gets a prize, or run away as to get the prize? We do it to get a crown that will last forever, okay? When exalted in the age to come, you go low and you serve now. You run in such a way to obtain 
the prize. Second Corinthians, when I was with you, I certainly gave you proof that I am an apostle. For I patiently did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. Okay, so just quickly, Second Corinthians, that, that area, that church there, they have lots of false apostles. Okay, and some of them are false, not because of their message. They're preaching the right message, if you can believe it. And it's not because of their power. They're performing miracles and signs and, and wonders. They're, they're preaching the right gospel, and they're backing it up with work, legitimate works and power and signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit. What makes them false and, and what makes Paul true is Paul's heart in the equation. Okay, Paul is there to serve them. Paul is there to give his life for them. Paul is there to go low and clean toilets and wash feet and carry a cross for them. Paul is there among this group, which if you know the context of 1 Corinthians, whoa, okay? He is there to make them great. The false apostles, apostles with the right message and with miracles and signs and wonders to back it up, they're false because they exist. They're there so that they are served. So that they're lifted up and made, made, made great. Paul says, I'm, I'm among you as a true apostle. I've proved it with signs, wonders, and miracles. Like you guys saw all of that. Verse 13, the only thing I failed to do, which I do in the other churches, was to become a financial burden to you. Right? The other, the other apostles come and yes, we will take all of your money. Okay? Paul says to this church, he says to other churches, give me all your money to this one. He doesn't. He says, I don't want what you have. Okay? I want you. This is what he says. After all, children don't provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. I will gladly spend myself and all I have for you. Even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. And it's this you know, hamster wheel thing going on. But Paul still gives himself. He's just going overboard to show them, I don't want your money so that I can be rich. I'm not here for you to serve me. I'm giving myself I'm carrying a cross like my master did. I'm donning a towel like my master did so that you inherit eternal life. I want you, Paul says. This is the pattern of his ministry. Where do you think Paul learned this? Maybe when the risen Lord visited him in the desert for three years and taught him. Maybe that's why Paul functions this way and relates to other human beings this way. Because he's imitating the, past, the pattern given by his master. And he calls us to do the same. Verse 19, perhaps you think we're saying these things just to defend ourselves. No, we tell you this as Christ's servants. Christ's servants. Imitating exactly what he did. And with God as our witness, everything we do, everything the true apostles do, is to strengthen you. Right? Like all, a lot, I don't read them all this morning, but a lot of Paul's sufferings, he says they're for your sake. Like Paul's suffering in travel is for the sake of the people he's going to. Paul's suffering in his message is for the sake of the people he's teaching. Like it's for other people. Like this is the lifestyle, the pattern of apostles who follow Jesus. First Thessalonians, another Pauline letter. For our exhortation, okay, our, our message and, and call that you should live holy before the day of wrath. Our exhortation does not come from error. Or it didn't come from impurity or by way of deceit. Where does Paul's exhortation come? From those 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead? Right? This is where it comes from. Paul says, I didn't, I didn't receive it from you. guys received it from a man, and that's good. But I didn't have that. I just went out in the desert, and the risen Lord appeared to me, and now I'm telling you. 
And all the other apostles say, yep, that's what he said to us too. Our exhortation comes from Jesus. But just as we have been approved by God, okay, so God's given the stamp of approval to be entrusted with the gospel. Who does God entrust the gospel to? Okay? To cross-bearing cowboys. Right? God, God wants his message to his, his gospel to go over the whole earth, and he recruits cowboys to do it. Which is, if you know yourself, good news, good news for you. Because everyone can do this. Everyone can serve. Everyone can go low. Everyone can carry a cross for the sake of others. We have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So we speak not to please man, so that man would like us, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came to you with words of flattery, as you know, nor did we come with a pretext for greed. Remember the false apostles? They have the right message and right miracles. They're, they want your money, though. Okay? God is our witness, nor do we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands, as a, we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, right? We're apostles, you serve us. Pray to God you've never experienced that in real life, but if you have, I'm sorry, they're false. They're absolutely false. Anyone who, who just carte blanche says you have to submit to me because of what is on my business card or my YouTube channel or my ministry name, whatever, you reject <coughs> them and you run away as fast as you can. Verse 7, we, we didn't say we're apostles, you serve us. Verse 7, instead we were gentle among you. This, uh, the, the gentleness pastor's conference, it doesn't fill up <laughs> Mega CEO, be awesome, lead greatly. That thing fills up quick. Can't get a seat. Tickets are 500 bucks. Verse 7 We were gentle among you. And so, Paul's example of apostleship for those commissioned by the risen Christ is what? Like a mother caring for her children. <laughs> Like, what's the first image you think of when you think of apostles of Jesus? Not that. <laughs> but this is what he says. We were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her children, to explain his apostleship. And just, maybe I'm assuming, you guys know Paul is, right? Kind of a big deal. Right? He's the best-selling author of all time. Okay. <laughs> To explain his ministry and his service and his apostleship, Paul compares himself to a mom. Why? Because is there any other group of people on the planet who serve with more selfless self-sacrifice than moms do? It's not. Okay? For a large portion of their lives, they give themselves totally, totally, like it never ends to keeping a helpless, selfish, and thankless human being alive and clean and fed. Right? And then they got to take care of their kids. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sorry. I'm just kidding. No, we're going to, I mean, I don't want to be part of that. No, really. I, like, no, we should not disrespect husbands and wives. I'm sorry. But it was a funny joke. <laughs> and on the spot, that's not in here. <laughs> For a large portion of their life, like this is what they do. 
And and if you've been, you know, if you've been around moms, so our house group is just just a bunch of moms, a bunch of babies, and a bunch of poop, and a bunch of snot. <laughs> and the way they do it is just like it's never a big deal. Like it's like, Sorry, I don't want to give specific examples. <laughs> and they just do it. They just happily wipe, happily do it. Like they just serve and serve and serve and serve and serve. And Paul's like, yeah, that's what it means to be an apostle. Is to serve like a, a nursing mother. This is the image of, of apostleship, self-sacrifice, and servants. It's a towel. It's humbled now and exalted them. Guys, there are women in this church who will be so close to the throne of God in the age to come, I won't be able to see them. Yeah. Be right way up and like, oh, there she is. Yeah, she's... I think, so I, I walk, sorry, I don't, on, on a morning where everything has gone wrong, I forgot to start my timer, so I have no idea where I'm at. <laughs> I do my, I, I walk out to uh, Nadine Mills' house um, a couple days a week, and, and uh, her dog's attacking me, and she calls him off, and it's this dance. And um, so you know, Nadine's in her 90s, is Nadine in her 90s? Yeah. 90s, I mean, she's up there, she, you know, she's, she's survived three or four husbands, and, and most of her children, and all this stuff, and so the, the vision that we see of Nadine, that you see of Nadine, is this frail, old, Lady, I mean, just like not impressive thing, guys. In the age to come, when Nadine's resurrected, like we're gonna see her as she is. You know, or I mean, some of you guys may remember. I, I just know old oh, Nadine used to dance at. <laughs> like she's gonna be exalted because she went low. Now, like this, this is is the pattern, and so it keeps going. Surely, you remember, brothers, our toil and our hardship. We work night and day. Why? So that we wouldn't be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy and righteous and blameless. Blameless here meaning, man, those, you know, that Paul and his band of apostles leave, and the, the churches of God that they have started and planted, those churches, after they leave, can say, you know, they never did take advantage of us. They, they, they really went out of their way, day in and day out, not to be served, but to serve. You know how blameless we were among you who believe, for you know that we dealt with you, with each of you, this time not as mothers, okay? We dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. So again, what, what, and how, how do fathers serve? What is the service of fathers to their children? Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God and calls you into his kingdom and into his Glory, okay? The image of apostleship. Apostleship, it's moms and dads serving, taking care of, picking up poop and snot and all the bits. So, this is the pattern of life that's modeled by the Messiah, then imitated by these apostles, and then handed off to all disciples after, okay? So, if you're a disciple of Jesus, this is how you live. This is how you should think about your personal life. This is how you should think about our corporate life. You exist to serve the other people in this room. You exist to serve the people around your dinner table. You exist to serve the world. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Oh, I didn't put it in here. I know my Bible. Ephesians, the chapter marker is not there in real life. Okay, so start with 4 and read into 5. It says, la, 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 verse 5. Therefore, be imitators of God. Mm -hmm. What? Like, do you, 
Imitate God. Like, you, if you read that seriously, okay, imitate God. You just, what do you say to that? Okay. What does that mean? Imitate God. It means you do John 13, and you do Matthew 16, and you do Philippians 2, and you count others higher than yourself, and you go low to serve in love and humility. That's what it means to imitate God. Verse 2, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church, gave himself for her, washed feet, carried a cross. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Paul says, follow my example as I follow what? The example of Christ. And so what's the example of Christ? Hopefully by now you... Two things. A towel and a cross. And Paul follows it, and now you follow it today. Like, this is the pattern. That's the example of Christ. And last thing, I, I love this one, Philippians 2, after Paul has given the whole big, the, the Christ him, who therefore he was in the form of God, now kind of calling with God to be grasped, da, 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 God's highly exalts him, the whole bit, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. Then Paul just gets finishes chapter 2 here after this song hymn to Jesus Paul says you know now that I'm thinking about Christ's example in service and love I hope to send Timothy to you for I have no one like him what's unique about Timothy who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare the, the greatest Christ hymn in the scripture, like the most glorious little, you know, eight verses in the Bible. Let's send Timothy, because he's like that guy. Mm -hmm. He'll be genuinely concerned for your welfare, and I have no one like him, so I'll send him to you. And I don't, uh, let's give him Papaditis, is after this, Papaditis gets sick serving people. There's him in there too. This is the heart of Jesus. This is the, the pattern of Jesus, and this is the lifestyle that backs up the apostolic witness. Guys, we can have our doctrine right, we can have our proclamation right, you know, if you guys know those five things from the last six weeks, I will just cry and puddle and fall on the floor and be so happy. But if, if we don't back it up with a lifestyle that goes low, and doesn't complain about it, right? What's what's First Peter say about Jesus' cross bearing? Yeah, he just shut up the whole time, like a lamb in the slaughter. He was silent before his shears. This is the example of Christ, the pattern laid down for you. First Peter four three. If we don't have a lifestyle that backs up what we're saying about the day of the Lord, what we're saying about the cross, what, what we're saying uh, about the resurrection and the age to come. If we don't have a pattern of life that backs it up, no one's going to hear it. Okay? And it won't matter. <laughs> it's just, this has to be our pattern of, of life as Christian Life Church. So when you come into these doors on, on Sunday, it kind of changes what you're here for, right? How can I love and serve and be an example to the people sitting here and then you go out to the rest of the week, and how can I love and serve and be an example? How can I wash dirty feet this week in the name of Jesus? How can I carry a cross this week in the name of Jesus so that they will actually hear my message when I tell them that the day of the Lord is coming, and in love, God is going to a sacrifice for sin before that day? It's not, 
and so I, you know, I've been in our church since '04. Not hard for me to find examples of this. I was I was working on this sermon again. I have no idea what time it is. I'm sorry, most of them. I was working on this sermon this week and going through different passages and whatever. And I could just over and over. I got faces of people who do this week in and week out. I got, I got faces of people who have who've died. We had, sorry, we had all the storms this week, and I had, a, I had Gary Robinson in my head all week. Every time there's a storm, Gary, there's a storm chaser anyway. Yep. Gary served and left. Okay, I'm done. Um, this is the lifestyle that backs up the witness, and this is what we are all, elders, deacons, members, whatever, called to. Okay, what is your life about? It's about a towel in the name of Jesus, it's about a cross. In the name of Jesus, it's about an imitation of the Lord for the rest of our lives, okay? Robert, would you come with us, please? Thank you. So this is the game, all right? And the question is, will we be imitators of God? It's commanded, be imitators of God. You can take him up on that. Will we count our lives as nothing to serve others, will we go low to make others great? This is the question. This is what Jesus leaves us with, and you've got to deal with it. So I'm going to pray for us. So bow your heads or do whatever. Actually, let you stand. Father, we come, and the only reason we're able to come is because Jesus has served us. So first, God, we ask, uh, we ask, God, that you would grant us repentance um, for a lack of serving. God, uh, for any part of our life that is above service, any part of our life that says, I cannot go low, that is not my thing, whatever, any part of that, God, I ask that you would cast it out. God, you would burn it out with fire. We repent, God, in our homes for not serving our wives, for not serving our children, for not serving our husbands. God, if, if there is a, a lick in us, God, that will not go low to serve and wash feet, burn it out in the name of Jesus. We ask God that would have no place in our home, that would have no place in our church. So we repent. We turn from wickedness. Second, God, I ask for um, uh, for Thessalonians, God, so that you were to honor those who are among you who serve. I ask that it would just be regular and normal and, and part of our culture, God, that we honor those who serve, those who go low and give themselves up.
have not let Jesus wash their feet. Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you wash feet then, you're washing feet now. So God, I just ask that if there is hard-heartedness and closed-offness in our heart, that keep you from loving us, serving us, washing us, ministering to us by your Spirit, I ask that by the Spirit you would, you would pull those gates off. We would see Jesus as a servant of all.